Welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave, where we chat with amazing women within the worlds of sports, fitness, wellness, and business who aren't afraid to keep it real. Every week, we talk careers, relationships, and most importantly, the practice of self-care. Uncensored and unapologetic, you'll walk away from every episode with real-life takeaways and advice. No BS or fluff. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Rebel Babe Cave. Today is super exciting. I have a real-life doctor on the podcast, so I'm so excited to talk about her, about health and wellness and clean beauty and the crazy COVID-19 stuff that's going on. But before we get into that, I wanted to share a little something with you guys about anxiety and meditation. So if you struggle with anxiety, I know a lot of people will say, just meditate. Meditating helped me so much. And as someone with a brain that goes 100 billion miles an hour, it is super difficult to just go off and meditate. Am I right? (laughs) However, I did find this really cool app. It's called Simple Habit, and it has like guided meditations in it, which for me has really, really helped me focus and be able to sit there and actually meditate. So they have really short ones that are like five minutes. They've got 10 minute ones. They've got longer ones. If you're into that sort of thing, sometimes I listen to ocean sounds and just kind of chill Other times I'll listen to sleep meditations to help me sleep. They have anti-anxiety meditations. They've got meditations for growing abundance and money. So there's literally something for everyone on this app. I actually recently was featured on the app telling my story about cool sculpting. So that's on there. I will link that in the show notes of this episode and I have a free month of premium for you guys. So if you are interested in checking out Simple Habit, you want to give it a try, you can do one month for free. I have the link. It's kind of a weird link, not easy to just say. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and link that in the show notes as well. And on my website, crystalrose.com, there is a new page called Favorite Things. So crystalrose.com slash favorite things. Or you can go to the shop tab and in the drop down, you will see the favorite things page. So definitely check it out. You guys, it is such a cool app. It is so relaxing. I personally use it, love it. And I would not tell you about it if I didn't. (laughs) Another thing I would really like to share with you guys is I am co-hosting a virtual mental health summit. It is taking place on May 5th through May 7th. There are more than 20 incredible speakers. A percentage of the proceeds goes to the nonprofit I founded, Mental Message, which helps people feel less alone, whether or not they're actually struggling with mental illness or just their mental health or feeling isolated. And now is the best time for this. There is no better time. We are all going through something together 
and no one is really alone in it. And so we don't want people to feel alone. And this summit is a way to kind of invite everyone in, whether or not you're struggling right now, or if you want to be more educated in the mental health space, or you just want to know how you can help a friend. This summit is incredible. It's going to be so amazing. And if you guys want to check it out, you can go to crystalrose.com slash nonprofit, and there is going to be information there. And I'll also have my link in the show notes that will take you directly to the summit page. So let's talk about our guest, Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Dr. Dempsey received her MD from the John Hopkins University School of Medicine and her bachelor's degree from Cornell University. She completed her residency at NYU Medical Center, Bellevue Hospital, and then served as an attending physician at a large multi-specialty medical practice in White Plains, New York, before opening Armonk Integrative Medicine. Dr. Dempsey combines primary care treatment and integrative medicine with particular focus on thyroid dysfunction, autoimmune disease, hormonal imbalances, vitamin deficiencies, food sensitivities, and weight management. She is an active staff member of Greenwich Hospital in Greenwich, Connecticut. She is also a member of the Institute for Functional Medicine and the American College of Physicians and holds a certificate in Vanguard Endocrinology. Dr. Dempsey has been featured on Fox News, Fox and Friends, Fox 5 New York, Harper's Bazaar, Reader's Digest, Clean Plates, Prevention, Shape Magazine, and countless other media outlets. For more information, visit drtanyadempsey.com. Dr. Tanya Dempsey, welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you here. It is incredible to have a doctor and a doctor like you on the show. So I'm really pumped for this. To get started, we do something called goals, gratitude, and badassery. So we want to know what your current goals are, something you're grateful for, and something you've done recently that you're really proud of or that's considered badass. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My goals. My goals are to help as many people as I possibly can. My gratitude is towards my family who have been there supporting me. And sometimes, particularly my kids, I don't spend as much time with them as I should, but I'm grateful for how much they support my career and the knowledge that I'm helping people. And something that I've done, well, I don't know. I'm not really that much fun, so I don't think I've done anything that <laughs> Neither am I. Other than maybe do, like, I don't know, boxing. Lately, I started doing some boxing before we had to self-quarantine. But I'm about to publish a chapter in a book. I'm not the only author of the book. There are a lot of authors, but I've authored a chapter with a colleague of mine, and I'm really excited about that. That's the first time that I've done something like that. That's amazing. So that book should be coming out in the spring. Yay. That's amazing. And boxing is cool. I box. I love it. It's so <laughs> love fun. it. Yeah, yeah. So fun. So I want you to tell my audience a little bit about yourself and what you do, because originally I asked you on here because we were going to talk about non-toxic clean beauty. But after seeing what you do, I was like, no, we have to dig a little bit deeper because I think so many can benefit from what you do. So Will you share a little bit about yourself? My focus is really treating patients with complex chronic diseases, multi-systemic diseases that basically no one else can figure out. Unfortunately, these patients have 
been just about everywhere, all over the country, all over the world, to get answers to their medical illness that they suffer with, that they're debilitated with, that has affected their lives on so many levels. And my job is to really help them dig to the root cause and figure out what is really driving their issues, and then to help them recover from that. And so many of the patients that I see carry different diagnoses. Some have autoimmune disease, and I see that quite commonly. There's definitely an uptick in autoimmune diseases in general. I treat a lot of patients with Lyme disease and co-infections because I practice in a hotbed for ticks and tick-borne diseases. And a condition known as mast cell activation syndrome has become an interest of mine. And patients come, particularly if they're suspicious, they might have this disease or syndrome, which is a really multi-systemic immune dysregulation that we're also seeing increasing in prevalence in our population and all over the world. Now I'm helping, I'm doing some research, I'm trying to get the information out there, trying to educate other doctors about these conditions and what they can do to help these patients, and then ultimately just helping the patients themselves. So I'm excited about the work that I do. I learn something every day. I learn from my patients every day. They teach me. And that's the only way that I can be as good as I am is because of my patients. I mean, it sounds exciting because on your website, it says you are a mystery illness specialist. I love that. Yeah, I, I consider these conditions that a lot of patients come to me with as mystery illnesses. You know, these are patients who are discounted in the traditional medical world. They're told that it's in their head. They're told that they're making it up or they're imagining it, and they're not. They really have these symptoms. They're really affected by it, but it doesn't make sense. According to the medical books, some of their symptoms just don't fit the algorithms that doctors use. And so mm-hmm. if they don't fit then they really are sort of a mystery illness. And they need somebody who can look at it and say, all right, how do the pieces fit together? I help them fit it together. And often it's not a mystery. At the end of the day, we figure it out. But they think it's a mystery because you know other doctors haven't been able to either figure it out or they haven't given the time to the patient to figure it out. Right. And unfortunately, I feel like I have so many friends that I know of people who have had something mysterious that's deeply, deeply affected them and watching them go through the frustrating process of just trying to find answers is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see a person that you know functions this way on a regular basis and then suddenly their health has just taken a downturn and they have no idea what's wrong with them. And there's this loss of control essentially, right? Because you you go through life, you think, things are okay. Everyone has the random medical thing that pops up. Mm. But in these cases, it pops up. It's not clear why. Sometimes it is. Sometimes there is a trigger that patients can look back at and say, oh, that was what happened. And that probably led down this path. But often it's coming out of the blue and the health deteriorates and there really is little control. Patients are trying to find ways to control it. But sometimes it it feels like they can't. And that's very frustrating and heartbreaking. And that's why I've dedicated my career and my life to figuring this out and helping patients gain control. So incredible. So you mentioned that you believe there's an uptick in autoimmune disease, autoimmune disorders. So why do you think that is? So I think in general, we live in a very toxic world. We are drinking from plastic water bottles. We're putting cosmetics on our faces if we're women, right, that have all these chemicals that have been shown to have hormonal effects and immune dysregulating effects. 
we're breathing in the air that has pollution, we're eating food that has pesticides and genetically modified ingredients, et cetera, et cetera, right? I can just keep going with the toxicity. Mm -hmm. And so what I think has happened, and some of this is theory and some of this is being supported by research, is that, you know, we all carry genetic predispositions. If you look at your genes and you do like 23andMe or one of those genetic tests, you'll see that everybody has some genetic susceptibility to something. It could be autoimmune disease, it could be cancer, it could be heart disease or high blood pressure or whatever, right? We all carry bad genes. Mm. We also carry good genes that protect us. And generally, if you're not exposed to toxins and you're living a very clean life, what you hope is that those genes stay turned off. I think about it as there are genes that are turned on, DNA that needs to be turned on to help you function through the day, to function in life. And there are genes that should be turned off and not be functioning because they're bad. And your body works really hard in keeping the bad stuff under control. Mm. But when you're breathing in toxins or you've been exposed to infections, if you've had Epstein-Barr virus, if you've had Lyme disease, anything that your body essentially doesn't like, anything that can cause a detoxification issue where your body can't detoxify, these things, chemicals, essentially can bind to your DNA and turn on those genes that are supposed to be turned off. So what I suspect is that the uptick in autoimmunity is due to the fact that patients who are carrying an autoimmune potential, Mm. they have the potential to develop it. In a different time, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, they may not have actually developed autoimmune disease. They could carry those genes and they'd be relatively healthy. And now those genes are being turned on and they're being turned on earlier than ever. I'm seeing, for instance, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune thyroid disease in young children. I've never seen that before. And so again, to me, it's a bombardment of toxins in our environment and inability to detoxify ourselves because it's just too much, you know, a lack of good diet and nutrition and boom, it's like the perfect storm. Mm. Autoimmune is something like, to me, it's newer. It's something that watching that TV show House, it was always lupus. (laughs) It was always an autoimmune disorder. But growing up, I never heard anything about that. Or even in my earlier 20s, if someone had cancer, it was like someone's grandma. It wasn't a kid or anyone young, you know? So it was so detached and separate, I guess, when I was growing up and as I was a young woman. Now I feel like cancer is everywhere. It's so prevalent. And like you said, you know, you're seeing these young children with these autoimmune disorders and cancer and whatnot. So it's crazy and it's inescapable, I feel like. Yeah, it is because you don't really have control over your genetics. Right. So you carry those genes and you don't have as much control over the environment as you'd like. But when you do have control, and this is what I really love to talk about and talk to my patients about, is that where there are things that you can control, Mm. like what you put in your mouth, you can't control more than you think. What you put on your skin, what you use in your house to clean, all those things, right? You have control over it. Is it enough? I don't know. I can't say 100%. 
But, you know, I imagine that if you have young children and you're using Lysol and those cleaners that are really toxic, Mm. you know, your kids might be at higher risk for getting asthma or some other disease. And asthma, I would put in the category of autoimmune, actually. But if you use cleaning products that are safer and don't have the fumes and the toxins, maybe you decrease the risk of the children developing things. I mean, again, some of this is conjecture because we don't have the research yet, but that's what I think we're going to be able to see over time. So I'm really into fitness. So I look at it as if I can only get a 30 minute workout in, is that ideal for me? No, I'd like to get a longer one. You know, I'd like some more time in there, but if that's all you can do, then 30 minutes is great, right? It's better than nothing. So I think a lot of the times when it comes to the toxicity in our daily lives, people would rather just not know about it, like just put their head in the sand and say, well, the air we breathe is toxic, so why try, right? (laughs) Right. No, I've heard that, you know, very, very often. But the, the point is that it is worth trying, but it can be overwhelming. You know, a lot of people, they don't know where to start. Where do you start, right? I mean, there are now aisles in stores for cleaner products. Are they really clean, right? So you have to go online, you have to research. It's just so much. It's so overwhelming with all the other things people are dealing with now, right? So I can understand that, but I think that if you could just pick one thing, right? So if you can only work out for 30 minutes, better. Even if you could work out for 15 minutes, it's better than nothing, right? So same thing here. So if you tackle the cleaning products because it affects your whole family, but you can't deal with the makeup yet, okay, that's better than nothing. That's how I look at it. Anything you can do is additive. I think as humans, especially in this day and age, we want everything now. We want now because we have social media. Everything is instant gratification. We want to lose the 10 pounds today. We want to overhaul our entire lives, but it's just not feasible to replace every toxic or potentially toxic product in your home. So like you said, you know, trying to find that place to start is huge for people to get that ball rolling. I personally... I want to say it was like six years ago, maybe I started learning about clean beauty, skincare, makeup. And it was like, once I knew, I couldn't not know. (laughs) And so I would feel guilty if I used some conventional makeup or skincare or something. And so I had to start slowly replacing and learning. But I'm not sure everyone has like the patience for that. No, exactly. And that's why they have to rely on, let's say, information that you're sharing. There are some companies that have done a very good job at advertising the cleaner products or giving information about the cleaner products. We have organizations like EWG, Environmental Working Group, where you can literally search in their database a particular product and check if it's safe or not. But yes, I agree that it does take a lot of time and effort and dedication mm-hmm. to do it you know, perfectly 100%, but it doesn't have to be that, right? right. It can be small little changes. Well, a lot of these companies are very misleading with their greenwashing. I'm not sure if I talked about that on my non-toxin beauty episode, but I think we got a little bit into it and it's kind of a crude analogy. I'm sorry, but (laughs) I said (laughs) there are these brands that are touting these very healthy sounding ingredients like Amazonian clay, right? Oh, Amazonian clay, that has to be so good for you. It's from the earth, right? 
and I compared it to brownies, right? So if you're going to eat brownies and someone pees on your brownie, there's pee on it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's still a brownie and brownies are delicious, but now there's pee on it. So it's kind of the same thing in makeup or in skincare. Yes, the Amazonian clay, wonderful. However, all of these chemicals that go along in it take away from that natural product. And I am seeing that so much in advertising now. Oh, no, me too. And look at the ingredients. I'm a real stickler for ingredients in just about everything, whether it's food, cosmetics, everything. I read labels. And a lot of the makeup companies, the way they're touting being natural and they'll say paraben-free, they'll Mm -hmm. say, you know, they have the buzzwords. But when you really look, right, they have preservatives in there that, that have been shown to be dangerous for the environment. If they're dangerous for the environment, they can't be good for us either. And there are other things that they put in there but there are a lot of good ingredients. Let's say 90% of the product looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then they have a few other ingredients and they can say that they're natural and healthier, whatever, greenwashing it, but there's still chemicals in there ultimately. Right. It drives me crazy. I see it all the time. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I'm not even a doctor and it makes me nuts, especially with these brands that were bought out by brands that are not non-toxic. It comes down to a moral and ethical question of, do you want to support a company that while they may be non-toxic, their parent company is not? Oh, now that's an interesting thought. That happens, I think, with cruelty-free as well. There are some cruelty-free brands that were purchased by a bigger brand that is not cruelty-free. So it really depends on how deeply you want to get into it. You know, I mean, I think some people are it's good enough for them to not have the chemicals in their products or not have that testing on animals. And they don't really want to go into those deeper levels. And for others, it's no, I'm not supporting that. Right. But it's about education, right? And so I just learned something from you today and I hadn't thought of it that way, that some of these companies in order to survive have to rely on their parent companies to Mm -hmm. help And I never thought of it that way. And that's a very interesting point. Yeah. It feels a little like twisty or you have those big brands that you want to capitalize on this market because it's hot right now. It's getting more popular to search for those natural and non-toxic products and they want to capitalize on it. So it's kind of gross. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say when it comes to the beauty products? Like where would you suggest a person, or even just any aspect of their life, whether it be cleaning supplies or water, where do you, what would you say would be the easiest place to start? Well, that's the thing. I don't know if there's an easier. I mean, I talk a lot about diet and that piece of it, and that may not be the easiest, but in some ways, people are already thinking about the food they're putting in their body on some level. Right. So I actually think it's probably easier to start with the food and then sort of progress and go out from there. I think that that was how I did it myself. It was sort of understanding that gluten was making me sick. Okay, so I eliminate the gluten. Then I understood that the grains in general were not good, so I cut those out. Then I understood GMOs were a problem. I needed to be organic. So it was like sort of a process, right? A journey that I went through even myself and I helped my patients go through. Um, I think the same thing here, like it could be that you start with the cleaning product change. It could be you start with a food change. It could be a small change that, you know, you say you're going to avoid GMOs. I mean, maybe that's the first step, 
you know, GMOs have been shown to be worrisome in many different ways. And so supporting companies that are using GMOs may be something you want to not do anymore, right? Or maybe that you want to try to stick to more organic products. Maybe you can't go all organic, but maybe you pick the foods that are probably best to eat organic. For instance, strawberries, berries in general, you don't want to eat non-organic because they really do use a lot of pesticides for those types of fruit. Mm. So if you're going to have strawberries, you're organic, but bananas might be fine because they're covered and the fruit is inside. I kind of think about these things and just like baby steps. Yeah. It really is a very personal thing where people kind of start their own journey. I kind of advise on that when it comes to fitness and nutrition, you know, it's more of like, what's the easiest for you right now? You know, what are you already kind of doing? And then how can we improve on that and build on that? And then maybe look at something that is so far out there for you that you haven't even thought of. And then maybe we can make a little baby step towards that. That's good advice. But I think the number one thing that really affects people's ability to take that step and to make the changes they need, Mm. I think, I could be wrong, but I really believe it's stress. The stress in daily life, right? It's easy to go to the comfort food to deal with the stress. It's easy to not exercise because you're too stressed. Mm. And so, you know, given the climate that we're in right now on so many levels, political, medical, we're in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, it is very stressful. Even before this, it was stressful. Um, And I think that if I were to say like where the baby steps should start, I really want people to sort of develop a mindfulness, take a few minutes, just breathe for a minute. I don't even care if you call it meditation. I don't care. Just like (laughs) breathe through your nose after your mouth for 30 seconds. You reset the nervous system, you reduce the stress, and then you could think about all these things that you want to do like increase your fitness regimen or eat healthier or whatever else. Right. I'm in the middle of a certification course right now and breath work is a part of it. We're kind of pushed to do that. And so like, that's just wild in itself. I had no idea how amazing I could feel after just breathing, obviously very intensely. But one of the things, you know, when we are talking about anxiety or stress is to ask yourself the question, is this mine? And I think right now with all this COVID-19 stuff going around, I've asked myself this question, scrolling through social media, reading news articles, people's opinions, people's arguing all over the place. And I start to feel it bubbling inside and getting really anxious and stressed. And I have to stop and say, does this belong to me? Is this Mm -hmm. mine? (laughs) And lately it's been, nope, that's not mine. That is all of this out here that I'm allowing to get in. Yeah. I think that's powerful. I think that's a powerful statement. And if people start thinking that way, Mm -hmm. I think it could really help. It's been really helpful to me. And I'm someone who struggles a little bit with the anxiety and depression and I've got night hallucinations and all this crazy stuff going on that I've actually looked at mental health very differently over the last six months or so (laughs) because I've been going through this course and really being able to separate my thoughts from my body. There are various ways to do that, you know, so the program you're doing is focusing in one way, mm. but that's not the only way to accomplish that, right? You know, it could be an app on your phone just to breathe, right? It could be yeah. that simple. You don't think about any of those, these other things, you just breathe for a minute. There's a program that I really like for a lot of my patients. I found it to be very, very helpful. It's called DNRS, mm. Dynamic Neural Retraining System. 
This is a program that was created to really reset, I'll call it the limbic system of the brain. And the limbic system is your emotional center. Yeah. And this is a way of retraining, sort of helping reestablish better pathways in your nervous system so that your response to the things that would normally set you off changes. You start to learn to change your stress response. So that's incredible. Like all these things are sort of focusing on the same thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's really a problem that, that I'm seeing more and more of, that the stress of our lives are just taking over. Yes. I mean, and people are very busy. It looks like a contest of who's busier than who, you know, <laughs> out there. But I think we as a whole are very busy and we're constantly having to do things or put things, we put things on ourselves. And it almost feels like we're spinning our wheels, I feel like. Sometimes, yeah. With all the busyness. And I think (laughs) this epidemic, this pandemic is the universe's way of being like, you guys need to time out, you know, (laughs) slow down. And, you know, it's horrible what's happening to a lot of people. Absolutely awful. But also there is a silver lining where I'm seeing people connect to each other. And that's incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it even just within my family. You know, I usually go to my office. I run my own practice. I'm building a new office. I'm doing all these things that are really exciting. I get home late. I'm distracted. The kids want to talk to me and I'm I'm always distracted mm-hmm. by, oh, no, I have to email this patient back. I have to do this. I have to finish this. And the kids will be like, oh, you want to do this? And I said, oh, let's do it on the weekend. I don't have time. And I see now that I'm working from home. So I'm doing virtual visits with my patients, mm-hmm. but I'm finding that because I'm home, I'm a little bit calmer and I'm taking the time that I need with my kids and I'm baking with them and playing games with them. And we're doing things that I should be doing more of, but this has been an excuse because I can't leave my house. Right. Yeah. It's an excuse for us to connect. So it's been very powerful. And I agree. It is really devastating what people are going through out there. And I really commend those on the front lines, really heroes as far as I'm concerned. But for those of us who are not on the front lines, doing what you can to connect Mm. with your family and your friends, even virtually, however you need to do it, can be powerful and very helpful. Yeah. There is a silver line. Yeah. Suddenly everyone's doing like Zoom happy hour. And you know, I mean, I'm personally an introvert, so I am very happy not seeing other humans in real life. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But you know, I have friends who are extroverts who are like, I'm dying. (laughs) I need to get out. And technology has been a saving grace throughout this whole thing, because then you, you are able to connect with those people that you're missing. Do you take on virtual patients? Is that a thing? Not entirely. This has a lot to do with medical legal Mm. reasons, et cetera, and also state requirements. So generally, before this COVID-19 pandemic, as long as I see a patient once in person, Mm. I can maintain a relationship with them through telemedicine. Okay. So let's say I have a patient from London. They fly in. I examine them, I have my hands on them, I do the testing that I want to do, but I don't expect them to keep flying back to talk to me to get my advice. So in those cases, you know, I'll see them once and then we'll communicate via Skype or Zoom or whatever platform or phone, and I can continue to help them. So just generally speaking, I have patients from all over the world and all over the country. I also have patients who are really in my radius around me, right? So those patients love to come in and I'd love to see them. And it's, it's always nicer to connect to patients in person, but half my practice is already done 
I'll call it virtually, hmm. because of the nature of where they are and the nature of what I do, so subspecialized hmm. that there are not that many people doing what I'm doing, right? So I want to provide that care for people who can't be right next to me and come into the office. Now, with the change in some regulations, we can probably do more telemedicine and more of this sort of virtual visits beyond what I just said. And so those are things we're looking at because I really love to reach even more people. Right. There are certainly people who are too sick to get on a plane, too sick to get in a car to come see me. So those are patients that I can't see right now or help. So that might change. And that could be also a good thing about what's happening is that we are starting to understand that there have to be other ways to administer medical care. Right. Like you shouldn't be rolling up into the ER because you have a headache. <laughs> but if you could call your doctor because you don't want to go in or you can't right. go in or it's dangerous to go in and you could call somebody and get some advice before you get to that point, right? That's tremendous. Right. And I think there aren't a lot of doctors that are like you. So someone like me, my husband has to drag me to see my doctor kicking and screaming because I'm like, <laughs> I don't need medicine. I'm fine. Let me eat some garlic. Like <laughs> <laughs> I do my best to stay as healthy as possible. So when I'm not feeling great, I don't want to go to my doctor. I don't want him to slap meds on it and send me on my way. Having someone that has a similar philosophy would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I like to work with my patients. You know, there are patients who really do need medication. Mm -hmm. You know, really, we've tried everything else. They need medication. As long as we're on the same page about the medication and the risks, then I'll prescribe it. But I have right. patients who are really leery of taking medication because they've had bad side effects mm. because lots of reasons. And I'll work with them to find things that are more natural, that may be less risky. So what I love is the patient-doctor relationship. And yeah. that is like we work together. I'm not paternalistic and telling you what you need mm. because you know your body better than I know your body. So if you're telling me that you think you don't need medication, but you know you need something, so let's work together to figure out what that is. Right. And that's what I love that. I think that's great. Of course, medication, I believe, has a time and a place. I was almost dead. I was dying from the flu. I mean, I couldn't move. I was sweating and freezing. And my husband was like, you were going to the doctor. And when I say dead, that it was not literal, but you know, <laughs> I was very, very sick. And so I did take Tamiflu and I hated myself every moment, <laughs> you know, of it. But I took it because I was like, I don't even know what to do to get better right now because everything else isn't working. I never had the flu that bad in my life. And I don't get the flu shot. It's just something I don't personal, do. Personal decision. Um, when I was shipping myself off to Africa to volunteer there for a month, you bet I got every shot that I needed to get because it's not like the flu. It's very different, you know, typhoid and yellow fever and all of that. So definitely there's a time and a place for conventional medicine for sure. So no one yell at me and get mad at me about that. <laughs> well, there is. And listen, I mean, we are so fortunate for the medical research that's been done. We're fortunate to have the medications we have. 50 years ago, 100 years ago, people died from strep throat, from scarlet fever. I mean, you got to look at that and say, you know what, <laughs> we are doing some really good things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is a limit. And, and the reality is that it would be better if patients took more control over their health right. and didn't just run and get a quick fix band-aid for every little thing that is happening, right? That would be ideal. But there is a place for the medication. I'm curious if the Tamiflu helped you. 
Did you find it helpful? I mean, I ended up getting better. So I'm going to say yes, because I I got better eventually. (laughs) But normally when I get sick or if I get a cold or if I have gotten flu before, I ride the wave. I drink my fluids and I stay in bed and I try to do what I can from the inside out. But that was just the one time. I couldn't, uh, (laughs) I think I had the norovirus too, like a couple of years ago, several years ago, that was less than 24 hours. And I have never thrown up so much in my life before ever. And then I got this weird rash after Mm. I did not go away until I washed my body with head and shoulders. Interesting. I could not figure it out. The rash was there for weeks and it was like all over It's probably some kind of fungal thing. Interesting. It was crazy. And like, it just happened. So I was just like, look, (laughs) the internet says to try head and shoulders. I'm going to do it. (laughs) You listen, you listen, you take the information and you weigh risk benefits. And it worked. It worked. My goodness. I feel like I could talk to you forever. You're amazing. You're so amazing. I can't believe how fast as time went by. No, this has been great. I'm really enjoying it too. Thank you. Really enjoyed having you. I'm definitely going to have to have you back for sure. Okay. I'd like to end on a quote. So is there a quote that you either live by or you've been prevalent to you lately? Well, I said this before, but I think this is really critical. I think that you have to listen to your gut instinct on yourself. You have to protect yourself and do what you can because others don't know your body as well as you do. So listen to that little voice. If you have a symptom, if you feel something and others are discounting it, if you feel that it's real and you know it in your gut, then listen to it and try to find someone who can help you. I think that's the main thing that I'd like patients to understand. People Be your own advocate. Yeah, that was a faster way of saying it. (laughs) I like yours. (laughs) Shorter way. Thank you. Dr. Dunsey, where can people find you? Yeah, so my website is www.drtanyadempsey.com. It has all my contact information. And I have a blog that I frequently write on. And uh, so that's a great place to start. I have my videos up there and various podcasts. Facebook, of course, Dr. Tanya Dempsey. I do a Facebook Live once a month on specific topics so people can find me there. I'm sure I have other accounts like Twitter and Instagram, but I'm so so bad with the social media. (laughs) But if they start on my Facebook page, they'll find all those other... I mean, you're doing lives on your Facebook. That's more than most normal people are doing. So that's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rebel Babe Cave. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and we'd love it if you left a review. See you next week.